thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland, unfortunately, in extra innings, is the Cincinnati Reds 5, the Cleveland Guardians 4. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And this was a really, really interesting baseball game. We go into extra innings. Both teams score in the eighth. Both teams score in the ninth. And unfortunately, the Reds are able to get that runner across in the 10th inning. So let's get into the storylines of the game. How did it all go down? Well, the big storyline for me in this game was small ball. This was one heck of an example of small ball, of getting base hits, of manufacturing runs. Neither of these teams are really known for knocking the cover off the ball, you know, bashing home runs. This is not the Yankees. This is not the Dodgers. But they showed you how you could still get runs done in Major League Baseball. I mean, 99.9% of us that have ever played baseball at any level, this is how we score runs, right? Uh, There's a 0.1% of the world that can hit 25 to 30 home runs in a season. More. Even more, right? So most of us have to get it done this way. And the Reds and the Guardians were both able to get it done in some different ways. Now, of course, there are two home runs in this game. There are some big hits in this game, and we will definitely get to that. But small ball played a very important part in this game. So, yes, Tyler Naquin does kick off the scoring with a home run. Frankly, it's a terrible pitch by Plesak, and it's a terrible decision by whoever calls this pitch, whether this is uh, Hedges behind the plate calling the location, whether, whether this call is coming from the dugout, right? That was another thing about this game. This was the first time I really noticed all the decisions that Carl Willis had to make as acting manager. He had to make a lot of decisions in this game. And uh, I, I wouldn't say he won or lost the game for Cleveland, but it was a very busy day for this, uh, you know, this makeshift temporary coaching staff. But one of the decisions was to throw uh, Tyler Naquin a pitch down and in when you had him in the count. Why come down and in on Tyler Naquin? Everybody knows. Everybody in Cleveland knows. We've watched him do it a hundred times. Everybody knows Tyler Naquin handles balls down and in. Uh, and yet they continued to attack him there during the game. I don't understand this. Uh, it was a, uh, they, he was ahead in the count. Plesak had him in the count. It was a one-two count. He just fouled off a bunch of fastballs up and away. And then he tries to throw him a slider down and in. Now, frankly, Naquin does a ridiculous job of going in and getting this pitch. It's way off the plate. But he can do it. If you look at Tyler Naquin's career, and believe me, I pulled it up and I took a look at the, some of the heat maps, even this season. Um, he is handling those pitches. If you look at the zones, uh, the pitches that he swings and whiffs at, his K percentage, his whiff percentage is all up at the top of the zone and even up and away. I mean, his K percentage is 45% up and away. Outside of the strike zone, up and away, it's 48%. Now, yes, you can get him down and in, 38% K percentage down and in, but when you start looking at the batted balls, Everything down is a batted ball, is in the red. Everything up is in the blue. So why would you pitch him down and in when you're ahead in the count? All his barrels are down and in. Middle of the plate, down, 
down and in, and even down and in out of the strike zone. He's got five barrels down there where he hit this home run. Um, yeah, so I don't know why you're challenging Tyler Naquin in. Um, this is where he hits home runs. He hits them from down and in. That's kind of his nitro zone. So he does hit a home run here, but then small ball does come into effect for the Guardians in the third inning. They put together a nice little rally. Palacios DHing. Uh, Fermil Reyes had something where he couldn't be at the ballpark at the start of the game or something like that. I did not catch the story on this one. Uh, but Palacios is DHing. He singles to center field. Mercado singles to left field. That's the bottom of the order putting together a little rally here. Uh, a weird play where Austin Hedges almost hits into a double play, but the second baseman is nowhere near the bag to actually make the out on Mercado. He would have been out if his foot was on the bag. It would have been a double play. But Guardians actually get lucky here because Straw would then fly out to center and it turns into a sack fly instead of an inning-ending fly ball. But again, small ball here. You get a guy to third base with one out. You hit a sack fly to center field. You make sure you get it out there, and the run comes across the score. That's good baseball. That's good, solid baseball right there. All right, the next run comes across for the Reds in the sixth inning, and this is a situation where Plesak, this is his second mistake. He really only made two mistakes, and he really only gave up two runs. Uh, Now, I'm sure we could go pitch by pitch and find other mistakes, but hey, the two runs, these were the two mistakes that led to them. Leadoff walk. A leadoff walk to Brandon Drury, and uh, that's going to be a mistake, a costly mistake for uh, for Zach Plesak. Um, it's a long at-bat, but, I mean, he misses way away with a curveball, uh, gets him to foul off a fastball, and then doesn't really come back in the strike zone again. Misses with a slider, misses with a fastball, way away. Gets him to foul tip one that could have been ball four, and then misses with a slider at the top of the zone. So he walks Jury to start things off. After Fam lines out, Mustakas delivers a single out to right field. Jury uh, moves up to second. And then, just like the Guardians did it, they put together a couple hits. Well, here the, the uh, Reds put together a couple singles. Two singles. Uh, Tyler Stevenson shoots a single through to center field. Hits a nice little rope there. What was the exit velocity on that one? Sometimes these shots to center field aren't as hard hit as you think they are. Um... Yeah, the lineout was 106 mile per hour exit velocity to Jose Ramirez by Tommy Pham. That was a shot. 97.6, so still a hard hit ball by Tyler Stevenson in the center field, and it brings in the run to score, brings in Jury to score. I thought they were going to go get him after that. I don't know what Carl Willis said when he went out to the mound, but it worked, and they get a double play to get out of the inning. Double plays would be huge for the Guardians on this day. They turned five double plays on the day. That's that's some incredible infield defense right there. That's an incredible job of shutting down some other potential rallies. And it works here to get them out of the sixth. They get the double play to get out of the sixth inning. All right. Like I said, everybody scores in the eighth and the ninth. And again, small ball. Leadoff, uh, leadoff walk here. This time it's Trevor Steffen in. Uh, after surprisingly, Brian Shaw gets out of the seventh inning. Um, Stefan comes in and a lead off walk once again, once again, would lead to a Reds run. You can't be doing that. You can't be walking the lead off hitter on an inning. You can't be setting them up like that. He would, Friedel would steal second. Drury would uh, fly out to right field, which would move Friedel up to third. And then Tommy Pham goes opposite field. 
got a runner on third base. You got the infield pulled in. How many times has that worked for the Guardians on the season? How many times has Andres Jimenez got on a ground ball at second base with that infield pulled in? This time, Pham gets the job done and shoots one through to right field. By the way, Tommy Pham, a name that was definitely bounced around as a potential signing for the Guardians, surprisingly signs with the Reds, and then he delivers a big RBI hit here. And of course, a double play gets Stefan out of the inning. All right, now it's the Guardians' turn. So uh, first off, it's a hustle play from Andres Jimenez to kick off the inning. He beats out a ground ball to first base. He does that dive into first base that he does so well, and he gets himself on. And they have to challenge it, but they get himself on. It looks like a painful slide. My God, it's a violent slide into first base. But he is safe to kick off the inning. All right, so how would the Guardians bring him in to score? Well, he'd have to do a little bit of work himself after Palacios pops out. He's got to go steal second base, so more small ball here, more hustle from Andres Jimenez. Mercado would fly out to center. He can't advance. Vermeil Reyes pinch hits. With the base open, they really don't have to come at the big man. He's able to take a walk, and now it brings up Miles Straw at the top of the order. Ernie Clement would pinch run. They would go to their bullpen, and Straw would be able to finally deliver. He would also go opposite field. So we just saw Pham in the top of the eighth inning go opposite field for the RBI. Now Straw goes opposite field for the RBI, shoots one through. Jimenez flying around third base. His speed gets them a run in the eighth inning. It makes it a 3-2 to two game. Quan would pop out with runners on. Unfortunately, he pops out to third base. So Quan uh, had a few chances to deliver some big hits here. And uh, unfortunately, pops out in this situation, but they do scratch across a run. They do keep it themselves in it. They keep it a 3-2 game. Uh, that was big stuff. Then in the ninth inning, Classe actually comes in to pitch the ninth inning down a run. And again, more small ball here from the Cincinnati Reds. With two outs, Tyler Naquin lays down a bunt. Ramirez can't come up with it cleanly. He tries for the bare hand. Naquin is, has wheels anyways. We know. Who knows? He probably would have beat it out. That's why Ramirez was selling out for the barehanded play. Then he steals second base as well. So again, small ball, the little things, running the bases. These are huge right here at the end of this game. He steals second base. And then Kyle Farmer shoots a line drive into left field. And Naquin comes in to score. Uh, doesn't even have to hit it hard. 89.2 mile per hour exit velocity. That's Sometimes you don't have to hit those line drive singles hard. Sometimes it's about squaring up the ball and driving it out to the grass. And uh, again, a double play. Um, oh, no, sorry, not a double play. A ground out. Of course, it's a ground out from uh, from uh, Emmanuel Classe. He always gets a ground out. It's a force out, Andres Jimenez to Ahmed Rosario to get Kyle Farmer at second. So a ground ball gets him out of it. But the Reds do their job. With two outs this time, Naquin's able to manufacture a run in that ninth inning. They extend it to a 4-2 lead. Jose Ramirez comes up to start the ninth inning for the Guardians. Now, he does a really interesting thing here. He tries to lay down a bunt. Now, he ends up missing the ball, but he tries to lay down a bunt. With the huge shift that they put on, Man, he could have walked. If he gets that bunt down, he can walk to first base. And you're thinking, Davey, why do we want our best hitter? Probably the best hitter and one of the best hitters in franchise history laying down a bunt in the ninth inning because he knows that even if he hits a solo home run here, 
It doesn't do anything with a two-run deficit. The way he has to impact the game is to get on base. And a bunt gets him on base. If he drops a bunt down the third baseline, it gets him on base. A solo home run here does nothing for the Guardians. They're down two. He's got to get on base. So he can't get the bunt down. Luckily, luckily though, he then turns around and draws the walk. So it's a huge small ball moment from Jose Ramirez here. He knows he has to get on base. And what happens? Owen Miller comes up. Let's go through the at-bat for Owen Miller here in the ninth inning. I can't believe this. I, I, you know, I was getting ready. I was getting ready to really rag on. I've been ragging on Owen Miller hitting cleanup. It, it really has not been working. If you look back over the month of May, if you look back over his last 15 games, he has not been very impactful at the plate. But hey, I mean, si- want to silence all the critics. Hit a home run in the ninth inning to tie the game up. So first pitch slider misses way up high with it. Uh, this is Art Warren pitching for Cincinnati. Comes back with a four-seam fastball, gets a called strike, comes back in the exact same location, throws him a spinner, a slider right down the middle of the plate at the belt. I'm telling you, you can't ask for a more perfect pitch to pull a home run with. And he hits one out to left center field, 103 miles per hour, 390 feet over the big wall in left field. Uh, I think it, it just shot through that high black railing at the top of the wall. And he delivers a huge game-tying two-run home run for the Cleveland Guardians. And what sets it up? A walk from Jose Ramirez. He knew he had to get on base. And somehow, Owen Miller is able to deliver the big home run. Now we get into the 10th inning. And this just sucks. You know, the runner on second base, uh, it's designed to end games. We've talked about it a lot this season. And it does the job here in the 10th inning for the Reds. Because, uh, you know, Sandlin kept walking people. Um, Sandlin comes in now to pitch. And frankly, I'm, I'm fine with Sandlin, you know, in here. He does get a ground out to kick things off. Uh, it moves the runner up to third, I believe. Yeah, Reynolds moves up to third. Then Dreary comes up. He misses with four straight. It looked like he was just trying to be too, per- too perfect with that sinker. And he misses a bunch with that sinker right around the edges of the plate, both in and out. Trying too hard to make the perfect pitch there with that runner on third base. Doesn't want to give up a barrel. Doesn't want to give up something in the middle of the plate. It does set up a double play situation. And the Guardians, like I said, turned a lot of double plays in this game. They had already had five double plays in this game. So walking that guy there is not the end of the world. Um, you obviously don't want this to turn into a huge rally. All right, You already gifted them a runner on second. You don't want to turn into a huge rally, but runners at the corner with one out. Actually a situation that you might be able to get out of it, but you got to come at Tommy Pham. Unfortunately, Sandlin cannot get a call at the top of the strike zone. He does. He starts with three balls, but two of these are pitches right at the top of the strike zone. He cannot get a call on a slider that's in the zone. He cannot get a call on a sinker that's on the black. Um, so yeah, he eventually has to come back in the strike zone. He works it back to a full count, uh, with a called strike and a swinging strike. He fouls off a slider right down the middle, and then he tries to go hard stuff with it. 94.3 right at the top of the zone. It's it, that's on the black that, I mean, that's on the black of the strike zone here on Statcast. You know, clearly he wasn't getting that call though. He's got to get that pitch down just a little bit. Uh, he can't get the call on this one. And Tommy Pham walks to load the bases. And that brings up Moustakis. 
and he's all over the place on Moustakis. Uh, he's trying to get that slider inside on Moustakis. Uh, does work it to a, uh, a full count, but cannot get that slider to land and ends up walking in the run. So it looked like a situation where Sandlin was trying to be a little too perfect, work the edges a little too much, because what does he do for the next two hitters? After he walks in the run, he blows away Stevenson, gets him to foul off one uh, inside, gets him to swing through another one inside, and just pounds the strike zone with a slider for a called strike three. Three pitches, he sits down Stevenson, and then on four pitches, he throws him a splitter to start things off against the lefty Moran, goes with a slider, kind of a backdoor slider for a called strike. He's up 0-2 on the count. Another backdoor slider that he fouls off, and then blows him away with a forcing fastball at the top of the strike zone, 94 miles per hour. I love that pitch from Sandlin. My, the fact that he, you know, Joe Smith, who we just saw, right, another side armor, was throwing in like the mid-80s, right? Not Sandlin, 94 at the top of the zone from the, you know, the side armor. That's a nasty pitch, especially after you had just thrown him two sliders on the outside edge. To come up with that high fastball is nasty. Unfortunately, he waited way too long in this inning to get nasty. You just, you got to attack more. I know in the 10th inning, he's trying to be perfect with that runner on, with that runner moving up to third base. He was trying way too hard to be perfect. The last two hitters, that's the Nick Sandlin we sh- we expect to see. So, unfortunately, yeah, uh, Sandlin walks across the run. And then the Guardians, I mean, you have the perfect situation here. Uh, well, I take it back, not the perfect situation. If Mercado could have got that runner over to third, that would have been the perfect situation. Instead, Mercado strikes out swinging. I saw some people on Guardians Twitter who were dogging him for not laying down a bunt and moving the runner up to third base. I don't know if Mercado has the freedom to lay down a bunt in that situation. I mean, usually that call comes from the dugout. That was a decision that Carl Willis had to make. So he strikes out swinging. He chases pitches away. Luke Maley, Lukey Doubles, almost delivers a double down the left field line. He just hooks one foul, and he chases one away to strike out. Straw draws a walk, though. Keeps the inning alive. Stephen Kwan comes up, has a chance for heroics. He draws a walk to load the bases, and then we've got things set for Jose Ramirez, the last batter of the game. Jose Ramirez, this is the situation we wanted. We got our guy up. Unfortunately, he takes a four-seam fastball in for ball one. I mean, 97.1, that's some heat on it. Um, Takes a four-seam fastball on the plate for a called strike. Who knows? Was that his pitch? Who knows? He takes it for a called strike. Remember, he had just walked a bunch of batters, so Ramirez is kind of sitting here waiting for a strike. He walked Quan on four straight. Um, so he's waiting for a strike here. It had been five straight balls. Throws a fastball. It was a get-me-over fastball, 94.5. Really, for for Diaz in this situation, that's a get-me-over fastball. Then he gets another fastball in that he fouls off. We know Jose Ramirez can handle pitches down and in. Unfortunately, that might have been the one, too, the one that would have got the job done for the Guardians. And then he throws him a pitch in the exact same location, but he slows him down with a slider. And you see it. You see it on the replay. It really got Jose Ramirez off balance. Three fastballs that he pops up in the mid-90s and then throws him an 86-mile-per-hour slider in the exact same location he just swung at a 95.7-mile-per-hour fastball. So it drops it down almost 9 miles per hour. It gets him to swing through it, an ugly swing. To end the game. So it's heartbreaking for the Guardians. You had it. You had the situation you wanted. You had 
bases loaded. You had Jose Ramirez up. It's everything you could ask for as a Guardians fan, and that is just baseball. Some days, I mean, literally Bull Durham, right? It's the quote from Bull Durham that he gives to the reporter. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it rains. We had it. We had the situation. We had an exciting game. We had manufactured runs. We had guys stealing bases and diving in the first and laying down bunts and hitting heroic home runs in the ninth inning. We had everything you could script in a baseball game. It just doesn't come out in the Guardians' favor. So, unfortunately, yeah, Jose Ramirez can't deliver a heroic moment here. Believe me, I'm going to take Jose Ramirez up with the bases loaded in the 10th inning. I'll take that every day of the week, and I'm probably going to win most of those games. Unfortunately, he cannot come through here uh, with the bases loaded. I mean, even if a guy hits like right with runners in scoring position in the extra innings, even if he's like a 300, 400 hitter, it still means he's getting out five or six, you know, six times, seven times uh, out of 10. So yeah, it's baseball is a tough game. It's a brutal, brutal game. Uh, that is based mostly in failure. And uh, unfortunately, we just can't come through in the 10th inning uh, and deliver there. I mean, yeah, I get it. If he lays down that bunt, if Mercado bunts him over, uh, eventually he would throw a wild pitch and Plasios would move up to third. That was a weird thing because the ball ends up going around the backstop and actually maybe into the Reds' dugout. He does not get two bases, though. It's from when the ball leaves the pitcher's hand. That's Uh, Underwood does actually a great job of explaining it on the broadcast, so that's why he only gets third base. So yeah, if he's bunted over to third to lead off the inning, then he could come home and score on that wild pitch. Uh, It just doesn't go that way. All right, so what else was it about this baseball game? Well, frankly, frankly, Connor Overton, where did this guy come from? This guy has bounced around. My God, I looked him up. He has just bounced around all over the place. Um... Who drafted him originally? Uh, He played college baseball at Old Dominion. Uh, Miami Marlins draft him in the 15th round. He bounces around. He gets released. The Nationals pick him up. Then he gets released by them. He ends up playing independent ball. The Giants give him a chance. He goes back to independent ball. The Blue Jays give him a chance. He finally makes the major leagues with the Blue Jays. Uh, The Pirates end up picking him off, 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 off of waivers in 2021. And then now the Reds picked him up. Uh, they signed him to a minor league contract after he elected free agency after he was outrighted off the 40-man roster in Pittsburgh. So this guy has bounced around, my God. From uh, being drafted in 2014, he has seen some organizations. He's played some independent ball. This is a guy who has literally chased the dream. Uh, and he's delivering now as a starter. He's pitched a lot in relief in his career. And now he's kind of delivering as a starter here Um for the, uh, for the Cincinnati Reds. Who knows? They may have found something here. So uh, I'm trying to go to back to his uh, his stats here and uh, take a look how many games started. So he did not start any games for Toronto. Those were all relief. He started three games for Pittsburgh in 2021 and made two relief appearances. Uh, actually made uh, uh, some relief appearances for Toronto, too, in 2021. So he made, uh, what would that be, six relief appearances, three starts in the 2021 season. But now he's been starting for the Reds. He's had four starts now for the Reds. And man, was it working in this one. I mean, this guy, uh, his ground ball percentage uh, since coming over to uh, 
to Cincinnati has just gotten insane. Uh, he went from in 2021 having a 34.9% ground ball percentage. He's up to a 45.8 ground ball percentage. Line drives have dropped from 32.6 down to 25%. That's really good. That is really good. He's been using his sinker a ton, his two-seam sinker a ton, and getting ground balls with it. The average launch angle off his two-seamer sinker is six, which means they're hitting it down and into the ground. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, he went from throwing it... Let's see here. Do they have the percentages? Yeah, he went from throwing it 12% of the time up to 24.3% of the time. However, in this game, it was a ton of sliders and change-ups. He went with the off-speed stuff then the forcing fastball, then the sinker, then the curve, really using everything, even two cutters in there. Why not? Uh, nothing has huge eye-popping CSW numbers. His forcing fastball actually has the best, a 45% CSW on that. All right, maybe that is a little eye-popping. Uh, it's a 31% total CSW on the day for him, which is just all-around solid. Um, but yeah, he was coming with a ton of sliders, attacking the zone, attacking the right-handed hitters with sliders and forcing fastballs, and no, not surprisingly, throwing a ton of change-ups to the lefties in the lineup, and that two-seamer, that sinker fastball. Um, he was just getting the job done, inning after inning, just putting guys away. I mean, he only has two strikeouts on the game. Only gives up one walk. He was just recording outs for seven and two-thirds innings. A really solid start from the journeyman, literally the journeyman, counter Overton. On the other side, Plesak, you know, like we said, two mistakes, the solo home run, um, and then a walk to lead off an inning. He is hit hard a bunch. Uh, Plesak gives up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hard hit balls. Uh, Overton only gave up seven hard hit balls on the day. Plesak goes a solid six innings. It's a quality start. Six innings pitch, two runs given up. That's a quality start right there from Plesak. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, their bullpen actually, you know, outlasts our bullpen. Shaw is comes in the game and shuts things down. But Stefan gives up a run in the eighth. And Klasse gives up in the ninth. And uh, Sandlin gives up a run in the tenth inning. It goes as an unearned run because that runner who starts at second base will always be an unearned run. But he gives up the winning run right there in the tenth inning. So the three guys that we would say we probably rely on the most, ooh, all give up runs to end this game. It's tough, man. It is tough pitching, pitching out of the bullpen. You got to have a short memory. These guys have to bounce back from this. There were things to like in all of their performances. Um, but unfortunately, they all give up runs here. And the the uh, Reds bullpen, Alexis Diaz, uh, gets the job done with three strikeouts in that 10th inning. He does give up two walks, but matches it with three strikeouts. And it was pretty nasty stuff uh, from Diaz. If you look at Diaz's savant page, it's a lot of red. A lot of red. 93rd percentile for whiff rate. 100 percentile for fastball spin. He spins that thing. Uh, hard hit percentage, 95th percentile. That means preventing hard hit balls. Uh, expected batting average, 95th percentile. K percentage, 76th percentile. So yeah, this guy does a really good job. And it's a fastball slider combo. And that slider is just nasty, just nasty stuff. It uh, it has a uh, whiff percentage of 43.2% on that slider. And guess what? He was able to get some strikeouts on that slider. He, uh, 
He strikes out. Mercado actually had fastballs. He just challenges him with four fastballs. For some reason, Mercado was chasing way out of the zone. Had no business being out there in the other batter's box chasing fastballs. It's a terrible at-bat for Mercado. He gets, uh, after four fastballs in a row, he gets the swinging strikeout on the slider. Gets mainly to chase one way out of the zone. Uh, and then Jose Ramirez, like we said, that last pitch, he used it sparingly, but he gets the strikeout on the slider. So uh, a fantastic job by Diaz. I mean, he frankly wins the battle of the bullpens right there. So I think that's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, it was a really interesting game. It was the bottom of the order getting things done for the Reds. Naquin has two hits. Farmer has three hits. He goes three for three on the day from the eight hole in the lineup. So the bottom of the order delivering for them. And then, you know, the Guardians did not put many hits together. Only five hits on the day. Uh, but definitely got some hits when it counted. They put together that little rally in the third. And then Owen Miller, obviously, with the big hit in the ninth inning. Uh, that was his only hit on the day. Um, so, yeah. So it's not much from the Guardians offense. Uh, not much to be proud of. Uh, MVP on the day. Definitely going to Owen Miller for tying things up. In that ninth inning, a big, heroic, majestic home run on a spinner right down the middle. That was beautiful to see. I mean, Owen Miller is, again, it's not going to last as a cleanup hitter. It it can't last as a cleanup hitter. When Naylor is back, he has got to go into that four spot. But Owen Miller definitely belongs in an RBI situation. He belongs in the middle of this lineup. There's still a bright future for Owen Miller in this lineup. I just don't think, the four-hole, I don't see it lasting long-term, but it works here. It works here. He's up at the right moment to deliver a heroic run in the ninth inning. So, Owen Miller, you're taking home MVP on the day. Before we get out of here, there is one more piece of news we have to talk about. The Guardians went out and got a relief pitcher from Seattle. Um, They made a trade. Uh, They brought this guy in. He's got options left, so he's going to go down to AAA. Johan Ramirez, it sounds like it's going to be for cash. It was cash or a player to be named later. It sounds like it's just going to be for cash. Frankly, he's a guy who has been struggling uh, in Seattle. It has not been pretty so far on this season. Um, And for the major leagues, he's pitched. uh, How many innings has he pitched in the major leagues so far? Uh, seven games. He's pitched eight in a third inning. He's got a 7.56 ERA so far in the majors. In minor leagues, he's pitched four games in AAA, six innings pitched. Uh, he's got a nine ERA uh, in the minor leagues. But this guy does know how to strike people out. He's got a uh, K per nine percentage that has been in the double digits since he was in the Houston system back in 2019 in single A and double A. He has always ramped it up there in the double digits when it comes to Ks per nine. However, the walks per nine have also been a problem. So, I mean, the scouting report on him on fan graphs, they've got his fastball and slider and curveball at a 60 grade, although he only seems to throw fastball and slider. Um, But they got his command at a 20 with maybe growing to a 30. So that is not great on the command. So it's going to be a project for the Guardians, but it is another arm that could pop, that could come up and throw some strikeouts. Uh, Who knows? Maybe if he gets into that Cleveland pitching factory. Uh, In his short stint with Seattle so far this season, the whiff rate on his forcing fastball is 38.2. The whiff rate on his slider is 44.7. However, the walks are always going to be a problem. 
So uh, it's a project for the Guardians. He goes down to AAA. It's another arm you could see at some point this season. So keep an eye out for Johan Ramirez. I don't think it's going to be an immediate impact, but could be someone you see if he can get that command under control. If there's something the Guardians pitching factory sees that they can fix in his command, uh, there are some weapons there that they can deploy that they can use. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Look, it didn't end the way we wanted it to, but it was a heck of a baseball game. The final from Cleveland, it's the Reds 5, the Guardians 4. We do it again tonight. Um, I think it's another 6 o'clock start. Yes, it is. And going for Cleveland, it's going to be Quantrill going against Mahal, Mayo. Uh, for uh, probably male uh, for the Cincinnati Reds. So we'll see if Quantrill can deliver. I think we have to defend the Ohio Cup, right? I think if we split the series, we get to hang on to the Ohio Cup. Um, so we'll see what goes down in this one. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, on the team. We'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.